You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Senior Minister Tim Johnson. Hey everyone, my name's Tim, Uh, I'm the Senior Minister here and as Robin has said, we're doing this uh, Bible storytelling over the school holidays. Uh, It's really a way that we can be learning uh, all ages uh, together and just engaging with the stories of the Bible. So there are some worksheets up the back for kids, um, but we're encouraging people of all ages to engage with the story. And we're going to look at six questions, Scott, if I could have those uh, come up. So I'm going to tell the story. Uh, I'm going to do it a couple of times. And I'm going to get you to think about these six questions. What do you like about the story? What questions might people have? Uh, Then we go a bit deeper. What do you learn about people? What do you learn about God or Jesus? What are you going to do this week in response to this story? And then the last one's really a bonus. If you really like the story and you'd like to tell it to someone else, then um, who could you tell the story to this week? Um, So we're doing a series on Elijah, who was a prophet in the Old Testament, the first part of the Bible. Uh, 870 years there about before Jesus. And this is the second week that we're looking at Elijah. So to bring you up to speed where we're up to, um, we've got a bit of a Star Wars intro crawl for you. pick up the story from that point as Elijah comes face to face with King Ahab. When Ahab saw Elijah, he said, is that you, you troublemaker for Israel? Elijah said, it's not me who's making trouble for Israel, but you and your family are. You've abandoned the Lord's commands and you're worshipping the god Baal. So gather people from all over Israel and meet me at Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal with you. So all of the people gathered at Mount Carmel. Elijah stood in front of all the people and said, Stop having a foot in both camps. You need to make a decision. 
If the Lord is God, follow him. And if Baal is God, follow him. But the people were silent. They didn't say anything. So Elijah went on. Get two bulls. The prophets of Baal can cut one into pieces and place it on wood, but not light the fire. I'll prepare the other bull and lay it on some wood, but not light the fire. Then you call on the name of your God, and I'll call on the name of the Lord, and the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people said, yes, that's, that's a great idea. Elijah then said to the prophets of Baal, well, you guys can go first because there's so many of you. You call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So the prophets of Baal prepared the bull and placed it on the wood. And then from morning up until midday, they cried out to Baal. Baal, answer us, they cried. But there was no response. No one answered. At midday, Elijah started to make fun of them. Shout louder, guys, he said. Surely Baal really is a god. Maybe he's busy. Maybe he's on the toilet. Maybe he's taken a trip. I know, he might be asleep. You better wake him up. So the prophets of Baal shouted louder and louder and they cut themselves with swords and spears until the blood flowed. And they did this all afternoon until evening came. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid any attention. At evening, Elijah called the people and said, gather around. Then he rebuilt the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. He put the 12 stones back into place. And he dug a trench around the altar that was deep enough to fit 11 kilograms of seed in it. He placed the wood on top of the altar. He cut up the bull and placed it on top of the wood. And then he said to the people, get four large jars of water and pour them over the bull and over the wood. So the people went and did it. And then he said, okay, do it a second time. So they did it again. Do it a third time, he said. So they did it a third time and there was water pouring down the altar and the, the trench at the bottom was completely full of water. Then Elijah cried out to the Lord, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, let it be known today that you are God in Israel, that I am your servant and that I have done all of these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so that these people may know that you, the Lord, are God and that you're turning their hearts back to you. And then fire fell from heaven, burning up completely the bull, the wood, the stones, the soil, and all of the water that was in the trench. And all the people fell flat on their faces and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. 
Okay, that's the story. So I want you to tackle uh, the first two questions. Have a chat to the people next to you. If you're visiting and you're like, hey, this is, this is too weird for me. I didn't come here to have conversations with people. Just say pass if you want to do that. But they're questions that you can just engage with the, uh, the story. What do you like about the story? What questions might people have? I'm just going to give you a couple of quick minutes and then I'll get some answers. All right, call out. What are some things that you like about the story? Phoebe? That he dug a trench. Cool. And we even know how deep the trench was. It is, it is so cool. He's the prophet of God, but he doesn't mind sort of dissing it to the prophets of Baal. I like the bit about the toilet. The toilet, that's my highlight. Um, that's actually in the Bible, by the way. Although some... I didn't add that in, although some different translations translate it differently, but yeah. He actually says he might be on the toilet. I love that. And other things that you like. What questions might people have? Any questions that you came up with? Sorry? Yeah, so it was a, it's, a, it's a measure. Um, he didn't actually put seeds, but it was deep enough that you'd fit 11 kilos of seed in it. Yeah. It's literally two seers, it says, two seers, but no one knows what a seer is these days. It's an ancient measure. It's about 11 kilos. Yeah. Someone this morning was trying to work out the significance of 11, and I said, no, I translated that so it's about 11 kilos. The 12 stones is significant because there were 12 tribes of Israel, but don't try and find significance in the 11, right? Um, it was just trying to... Well, it's, the significance is it's really deep, right? There's a lot of water there. That's the point. Other questions? What's with the cutting themselves? Yeah. Um, it, it's obviously they felt like he'd be more responsive if there was blood involved, it actually shows you, I guess, how harmful false religion can be in the sense that it actually harms people. And in this instance, they're actually cutting themselves, thinking that this God will respond more if they, if they hurt themselves on his behalf. Totally different from the God we see in the Bible. Yeah. Yep. So, because so, not everyone might be able to hear that, um, this is a time in Israel's history where people are really going astray, and it's a pretty big call of Elijah to say, well, look, we're going to demonstrate. So what, how does that equate to today? Um, I mean, I think clearly this is an instruction. God's sort of telling Elijah, I want you to do all of this. Um, but, yeah, it's, he's got confidence to sort of trust in God that God's going to follow through and set up this sort of contest. Yeah. Do you know, no one all day has asked the hardest question that I was hoping no one would ask. 
how in a period of three and a half years of drought or whatever it was, were there 12 large jugs of water to be found? Did anyone not say that? I'm glad you didn't ask it. I'm glad you didn't ask it, guys, that you're not even aware that that's a question. That's great. Um, <laughs> Mount Carmel is by the sea, possibly it's seawater. It's right on, the, right on the Mediterranean Sea there. Maybe that's where they got the water. Okay, I'll tell the story again, and I want you to pay particular attention as you're listening to these two questions. These are kind of the deeper ones. What do we learn in this story about people? So have a think about the people involved in it. Uh, and what do we learn about God, particularly? Um, although you might want to think ahead in the Bible to um, what this teaches us about Jesus if you want advanced level, high degree, difficulty question. When King Ahab saw Elijah, he said, Is that you, you troublemaker for Israel? And Elijah said, I haven't made trouble for Israel, but you and your family have. You've abandoned the commands of the Lord, and you're following the god Baal. Now, gather people from all over Israel and meet me at Mount Carmel and bring with you the 450 prophets of Baal. So everyone gathered at Mount Carmel. And Elijah stood in front of the people and said, Stop having a foot in both camps. Make a decision. If the Lord is God, follow him. And if Baal is God, follow him. But the people were silent. They didn't say a word. So Elijah went on. I am the last one of the Lord's prophets. But the prophets of Baal have, there's 450 of them. So get two bulls. Baal's prophets can cut one up and place it on wood, but not light the fire. I'll prepare the other bull and place it on some wood, but not light the fire. Then you call on the name of your God, and I'll call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers with fire, he is God. And the people said, yes, that's a good plan. So Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, well, since there's so many of you, you can go first. So they cut up the bull and placed it on the wood. And then they started crying out from the morning time up until midday to Baal. Baal, answer us, they cried. But there was no response. No one answered. At midday, Elijah started to make fun of them. Shout louder, guys, he said. I'm sure Baal really is a god. Maybe he's thinking. Maybe he's on the toilet. Maybe he's gone on a trip. I know. Maybe he's asleep. You might need to wake him up. And they shouted louder and louder, and they cut themselves with swords and spears until the blood flowed. And they kept going with this all afternoon until evening time. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid any attention. When evening came, Elijah said to the people, gather around. Then he rebuilt the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. He put the 12 stones back into place. And he dug a trench around the outside of the altar. It was deep enough to fit 11 kilograms of seed in it. Then he placed the wood on the altar he cut the bull 
into pieces and placed it on top of the wood. And then he said to the people, get four large jars of water and pour them over the top of the bull and the wood. So they did. Then he said, do it again. So they did it again. Do it a third time, he said. So they did it a third time. And there was water dripping down the altar and it completely filled the trench at the bottom. Then Elijah prayed, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, let it be known today that you are God in Israel, that I am your servant and that I've done all of these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me so that these people may know that you are God and that you're turning their hearts back to you. Then fire fell from heaven and completely burnt up the bull and the wood, the stones, the soil, and all of the water in the trench. And when the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Okay, turn to the people around you. What do you learn about people? What do you learn about God? good that people are still chatting and if you feel like I've cut you off too short feel free to continue conversations over a cuppa um, as we have supper after the service. I'm just going to give you a couple of thoughts that I've been reflecting on on these two questions uh, this week which may be different from what you've uh, chatted about but here's a few things that that I've been thinking about. As we think about the people in the story um, I've been reflecting on that line Uh, by Elijah about having a foot in both camps. And I reckon that's pretty true of people, that uh, we can often sit on the fence a little bit with God, um, have a foot in both camps, another way of putting it. You know, lots of people might say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, or when they fill in a census, say Christian or Anglican or Catholic or whatever it is. But that's all they do. It doesn't actually mean anything in practice. If you're looking at people's lives, you wouldn't necessarily know that it made any difference, this stated belief that they're a Christian. And yet Elijah's challenge there is, you know, if the Lord is God, if God really is God, follow him. It should make a massive difference. It should be noticeable. It should be radically different in your life. Um, And for those of us who call ourselves Christians, there's there's a big challenge here. If God is God, Follow him. If the truths that we declare about God, if the things that we believe about Jesus, that he really is the Lord, the boss of the universe, then follow him. That sort of challenge to make a decision and to make changes in our lives, I think, is a, is a good challenge that I've been challenged by in this story, this ancient story. Sort of says to me, yeah, if God is God, follow him. Make the changes. Live every aspect of my life with Jesus as number one, and people should notice the difference because of the fact that I call myself a Christian. So that's something that we, often, we learn about people, that it's easy to sit on the fence, it's easy to be in two camps, but the challenge from Elijah in this story is not to be like that, but to follow God. What do we learn about God? Um, God is very, very gracious in that he gives us evidence that he's real. Now, It's not as radical as we see in this story, fire falling from heaven and burning stuff up. Actually, that would be a bit freaky if that happened too often. 
Um, but God all the time is giving evidence of the fact that he exists, that he's real, that he is Lord. Um, so in the book of Romans, chapter 1, uh, verse 20, it says this, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. So God in his grace, actually every single day, has placed before us demonstrations that he is God and his power is on display and his godness, his eternal qualities, um, his divine qualities, are there to be seen as we look at the creation that he's placed us in. So Paul in Romans says that we're without excuse. People are without excuse for dismissing God because we've, we've got a demonstration every single day. God is gracious in showing us that he's there. Now, people kind of push that aside or explain it away, but it's evidence there for us every day that God is real. And as we move to the revelation of God in, in Jesus, Jesus fully reveals God to us. We see again God's grace in Jesus coming to us and showing us that he's real. And I've been reflecting on um, the story uh, after Jesus has risen from the dead, he, he appears to his disciples to show them that he's alive, and they, they see him and they talk with him. But one of the disciples, Thomas, wasn't there. He was, he was somewhere else when Jesus came. And when his friends say, hey, we've seen Jesus, he's alive, Thomas is like, nah, nah, I need evidence if I'm going to believe. Like, people don't just come back from the dead. Fair enough, Thomas. Um, I'd need to see him and I'd need to touch the wounds in order to believe. And Jesus graciously does it. He appears before Thomas. Thomas is able to sort of touch where Jesus has had the nails go through his hands and feel his side. And Thomas's response is very similar to the people that we read in this story. Thomas says, my Lord and my God. He recognises that Jesus is the Lord, the boss of the universe, and that he's, he's actually God in human form. God is gracious and he gives us evidence that he's real. The second thing, uh, which is a bit related to that, is the fact that in this story, I think God is contrasted with Baal. So some of the things that Baal can't do, I think they're there to show us how the real God is very different. So those lines about Baal where it says, no one, there was no response... No one answered, no one paid attention. It's supposed to say, well, Baal's like that, but actually the living God is different. He does respond, he does answer, and he does pay attention to our lives. So whatever your week's been like, whatever your year's been like, it may be that life's going really badly at the moment for you, and may be going great. The point is that God cares about that. He responds, he answers, and he pays attention to people. He's not some remote, distant God that sometimes believe him. He, he, like we sang, he's a good, good father. So he pays attention to what's going on in our lives. And he answers. Uh, even if you're here tonight and you don't necessarily, you're not quite sure whether God is real, can I give you this challenge to pray a prayer something like this? 
God, I don't even know whether you exist. I don't even know if you're real. But if you are, please make yourself known to me. Because the God that we see in the Bible is a God who responds, who answers, and who pays attention. And I believe he will hear that prayer, even though there's doubt expressed in it. He will, he will answer that prayer, and he will respond to you. So I encourage you to take that risk and to pray that prayer. And for those of us who are already uh, know this God, who are followers of Jesus, to actually remember that he pays attention and to bring all of the concerns of our lives to him because he answers. Last question. I'm just going to give you a moment on your own to answer this. What is it that you're going to do this week in response to this story? We don't want to hear from God's word and go away unchanged. We want to put it into practice. So what's the thing that you think you need to do in response to this story this week? I'll give you a minute and then I'll close in prayer. God, thank you that you are the living God, that you are real and powerful, that you do respond to us, answer us and pay attention to us. Please help us to put into practice these things that we've just thought of and said that we want to do this week. Help us not to be people who try and have a foot in both camps, say we follow you and yet our lives don't reflect it. Help us to actually do these things, to recognise that you are God and follow you. And we ask for your strength and the power of your Holy Spirit to do it. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek. If you have any questions about this podcast, send us an email, questions at stjohnsdc.org.au. 